Welcome to the Mud Island Adventures podcast. I'm your host, Garrick McMullen, and I'm here to help you find your adventure right here in the UK. Hey guys, it's uh, Garrick here again. Uh, it's been a mad, crazy summer, and we've uh, not churned out as many podcasts as we hoped to over the period, but uh, with holidays and other things going on, uh, we've um, decided to take a break for a little while. We'll be back at it soon, I promise, though. We've got some great stuff lined up. And in the meantime, following on from our interview with uh, Martin Longmuir back in the summer, um, I've managed to track down a good friend of mine, John Fern. uh, And John and I sat down and had a great chat uh, about his life as a coach uh, within endurance sports and adventure and some incredible things that he's got coming back. So sit back, grab a coffee or whatever your beverage is. Uh, Please enjoy this interview with John Fern. Hello again, it's Garrick here from Mud Island Adventures and uh, joining me this evening, and it is a Sunday evening, probably the last nice evening um, that we're going to have for a little while, it's Mr. John Fern. Now, John is uh, an endurance and adventure sports coach and athlete, and uh, he's been been around for a while. So uh, without further ado, John, lovely to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. Thank you very much for the invite, but I'm not so sure I have like, been around for a long while after you just said about our ages in the free chat. <laughs> so yeah, been, but still still young, but been around a while. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, we're young at heart, absolutely. Uh, Definitely. And and like you said, you're still getting out and kicking ass. So that's uh, that's what it's all about. Uh, so um, those of you that um, don't know John uh, from his awesome Instagram feed and uh, his coaching exploits. Um, John has been uh, a coach for over, what, 24 years now? Roughly, yeah. It's been around Yeah, that. Yeah. So it's a good amount of time, so there's plenty of experience to back it up. Uh, and John and I first met back in, I think, 2011, 2012, when Salisbury Road and Mountain uh, Cycling Club first kicked up, uh, where John was one of the... Uh, one of the founding members, I think, we. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, having I founded Salisbury Triathlon Club three years prior, I think it's around 2007, and then I stepped down as chairman of the triathlon club and started up SRAM, Salisbury Road and Mountain. So, yeah, a long time ago now. Wow. Uh, yeah, and Salisbury Road and Mountain was uh, my first cycling club uh, when I when I first got back into cycling back then. Um, and uh, I've just rejoined again this year, John, actually. Ah, <laughs> I, 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 love, made... I love seeing, I kind of watch from <laughs> afar, but seeing, you know, the tri-clubs going strong, cycling clubs going strong. Um, yeah, which is really nice to see. So it's uh, it's probably important to point out at this point, you no longer live in Salisbury and you've just come back from somewhere quite exciting, haven't you? Yeah, well, yes, we've... Lived in Chamonix for three years, uh, so the French Alps, to those that aren't sure of that exactly. So underneath Mont Blanc, um, which is absolutely amazing. Due to the COVID things, etc., my partner losing her job, it kind of forced a, a retreat back to the UK. So we're now situated in Devon. Um, but yeah, the, the Alps for three years was amazing. I'd worked backwards and forwards there for, I think it's around 14 years. 
Yeah, so you're you're back in the UK, although uh, albeit not in uh, in sunny Wiltshire. Um, now, obviously, I I know a bit of uh, of your background, having uh, having known you for a while. But yeah, what what's the attraction for Devon apart from uh, Lily's job? Um, well, it was is predominantly was Lily's job. Um, I mean, it's, 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 it's no secret. I had no desire to come back to the UK whatsoever. Um, because, you know, from my work point of view, the Alps is amazing and absolutely loved it. And it was a dream kind of like to go and live there. Um, but as we know, when we're in a relationship, it's sort of, it's give and take. And Lily obviously needed to find that balance in her life. So, mm-hmm. but Devon luckily obviously has the surf, uh, has climbing, uh, kayaking. So there's lots of different bits and pieces to do. And I've kind of gone full circle because I started my outdoor education at Bicton College, which is probably only 25 miles from where we live now. So kind of like when I was a 19 year old doing my kayak instructors courses and bits and pieces in the freezing winter in Devon. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I've kind of come back to that now. Nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's not quite freezing yet, and uh, no. probably a lot less cold than you're used to in Chamonix, to be honest. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I think <laughs> old, being told to get on the lake and capsize in the middle of the <laughs> we've, I think we've all been there, and you've got that kind of like, I really don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so that was John at 19. Um, you, I mean, you're obviously quite a... Uh, an experienced coach um t- tell me what what sort of prompted the move into coaching um what what was your build up into uh joining that industry okay um well it's it's a pretty simple story really i mean i was a junior international in athletics it was high jump and four by 100 meter relay and my coach at school was amazing and he was my coach outside of school as well and I think I was around 12 and I would go in for my sessions and there'd be other young, there'd be younger kids watching. And the coach just said to me, oh, well, if you want them to come in after, you can take them through some stuff. And so at the age of 12, 13, I was doing that. And I, I don't think I realized at that moment, but now retrospectively looking at it, I got far more pleasure from helping other people within their sports than I got from my own rewards within it. Um, And so that to me sticks out as this epiphany, this moment where it's like, do you know what? That's when you realized, you know, coaching people, helping them achieve dreams, et cetera, was really important to me. Brilliant. So uh, from there, you moved on, uh, obviously, into coaching through university. Um, So actually, I went back to university. So did sports studies at a level then i went to did my national diploma in outdoor education had a year surf instructing in north devon then i actually bounced around and had some normal jobs shall we say i think i worked hmm. in a garden center briefly uh did some bricklaying courses for a while and then just realized hang on this isn't what you love this isn't what you really want to be doing let's try and look at how you can make a job out of what you love. Then I went back to university a little bit later, did my sports science and set up my company, which was by then was JF Multisport Coaching. Um, And that's how then that grew. Um, Mm -hmm. And I haven't basically looked back since then. 
So since then, John, uh, I know that you have been quite a successful uh, iron distance triathlete yourself. Um, and you've done some pretty, you know, sort of out there things. What, so what, what, uh, what made you sort of come away from the, that, um, I don't know, triathlon is now a more mainstream sport and you seem to have gone yeah. off reservation a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've, I don't, I know uniqueness isn't necessarily a correct word, but within what I do as a job, I've never stuck with just say one endurance sport or one adventure sport because I believe there's an incredible crossover. And so for me as a person, I get pleasure from doing all of them. And thus it enables me to learn from different areas, which I then take back in and I use within my coaching. So an ultra runner can help her, her can have a crossover with a ski mountaineer or um a triathlete obviously can learn from what's going on with a road cyclist so mixing and matching these different sports has really helped me mm -hmm. um it then helped me when i went back and helped at southampton university to write a master's in athlete development and peak performance mm -hmm. they used the the model of what i do as a job as the foundation for the course so i sat on a panel and we wrote out how that can be turned into a, a functional masters um, it's changed name now i believe but still i think on principle the masters is still running um it's for me it's just you're learning as much as you possibly can from so many different areas and you're just filtering it in and then applying it in different ways whereas a lot of coaches tend to stick with say they're a triathlon coach or a cycling coach or a run coach or an adventure coach or a, you know ski mountaineering whatever it is they stick to just one line and i believe yeah. they're missing out on so much more information that they can apply to different people so yeah it makes absolute sense to um take cher cherry pick the best bits of you know all the training plans and yeah i'm surprised that more people don't do it um but i guess i mean I'm happy in some ways that they don't because I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's helped me in many ways uh, as a business model. You know, as we know, there's, there's trends and patterns within the endurance world. So pre 2012 and through 2012 road cycling was in a massive boom for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, and we've seen the same in triathlon and of which has just started to have a resurgence and growth again with the super league introduction and, if you're a coach of one thing, you, yeah. you are then, if there's a low in that, then you're going to have to take the hit on that low. But actually, if you've got more, shall we say, tools in your toolbox, then it, it doesn't impact you. And I've been very, very fortunate over the years to not have those, shall we say, the waves of highs and lows. I've always had a, a consistency within my work. Yes, some areas have dropped off, but as they do, I'm able to then offer other clients different services so yeah i mean in some ways i didn't really think of that at the time but now i think that maybe i was subconsciously being clever i don't know maybe not <laughs> just lucky possibly when when it goes right we've all been subconsciously clever along the way yeah <laughs> <laughs> now I've, I've been kind of uh digging into your um some of your athlete profiles and uh yeah. just just for the listeners out there uh you are working with endurance cyclists uh, a world champion uh single speed <laughs> endurance mountain biker 
yeah, I, three, I can't even three be times, three times world champion. Um, I mean, that that that's crazy. It's um, riding a single speed mountain bike is horrible, but for doing it any length of time, I think you've got to be a special kind of person. Um, yeah, it, it, and and to be fair, the last not the last world championships, the one before, which has held it actually in Fort William, which is one of the, probably the hardest courses around the world. Um, yeah. He actually came third overall. So. Yeah, and on a single speed bike, so that's not bad. <laughs> Nasty, yeah. uh, but it, it's not just the sort of um, triathlete, cycling, running uh, athletes that you're working with at the moment. Um, so, t tell me a little more about what you're doing with Sarah Crossland because she's got a really interesting story. Sarah, yeah, I was, I was on the phone to her today, actually. Bless her. So, she's a, a brain tumor surgery survivor, and she got in touch with me because she didn't want to see it as an obstacle. She wanted to prove to herself that she could get back and she wanted to really run an ultra marathon was her goal. Um, she had some goals before she met me, which was to get back like into the mountains and things as well, which is why she mm -hmm. wrote a book. Um, yeah. So helping somebody like that, is just incredible and since helping sarah i actually have taken on more people who have suffered similar um, uh -huh. helping them to achieve their goals and remove these barriers so for sarah specifically balance and hearing is a real problem so if you can imagine trying to run somewhere when you can't balance um is really difficult and sometimes she'll find herself in a hedge just you through no reason you know other than whatever was interfered with during the surgery is obviously still has an impact. Um, but she's got an incredible goal now, which I think she's put out publicly. So I think I can say this, she's going to run the Le Jog. Um, so she's going to run the length of England. Wow. Yeah. So that's, I think on the phone, she's the, with all of these adventures, people don't really stress about the physicality. It's the logistics and planning <laughs> that is the headache. You know, that's yeah. the real, problem of all of these things we're all we're all guilty but we get stressed about the organization we just want to get on and we want to do it because we're active people so yeah she's a very interesting lady incredible lady her book's definitely worth a read sick bed to summits is the name sick bed to summits okay that's a that sounds like an armchair adventure to be had um so yeah i mean it's the some of your athletes have got some real achievements, but let's not be shy about this, John. You've done a few things yourself. So um, amongst some of your achievements, you've, um, you're have a six times Ironman, uh, multiple 70.3 um, races with a, a world champs qualification in 2009. Yeah, uh, yeah the Wimble Ball. Uh, you came eighth in the first off-road Ironman event, the X-Try, which I, was the only Ironman that's ever gripped my interest, I'll be honest. An off-road one. It Sounds awesome. It was horrendous. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was my best race ever, actually. My best results um, against a crazy international field. But luckily for us, we had typical English weather. And the Scandinavians, except they, you know, people that I sort of looked at at the start line, and I know that you shouldn't look at people and think, oh my God, but I was like petrified. Um, and yeah, they bailed, they dropped out. I think out of 160 entries, 
only 55 made the finish cutoff back in Salisbury. Uh, yeah. So yeah, at the end good. of the uh, yeah the the Clarendon Way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, not only that, you're you're a, a record holder, aren't you? Uh, as um, the only athlete to to have oh, completed yeah. both the Transalp and the Transalpine. Yes. So still currently, no one else has run across the Alps or mountain biked across the Alps. So yeah, that was 2015. I did Transalp which is the mountain bike event across the Alps. And then 2017, I did the running version, Transalpine. Yeah, which are both in, absolutely incredible events. Um, I didn't think about it until afterwards. I just wondered if anyone had done both and did, contacted both companies, etc., and went through those routes and nobody had. So, yeah, so I can still claim that one at the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, let's keep claiming it. Let's play tunes on that all day. Yeah. <laughs> It's a cracker. Uh, and I think I figured out why the, uh, nobody else has done it. Because I think you've got to be nuts, mate. Well, yeah. <laughs> or, or have a short memory of pain. Yeah. I th <laughs> well, they say that about alpinists. Uh, like, they, was it they say? Is they have the worst memory and the worst sense of smell. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Having had a couple of mountaintop tent experiences with, uh, yeah, <laughs> with yeah. some buddies. You I can, can get it. for the smell. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, from your point of view, John, um, and obviously Mud Island Adventures, we're, we're, we're all about helping people to um, achieve uh, their own adventures. And, and yeah. you know, we, we do believe that the, the adventure is yours. Um, and some are more extreme than others. Um, you know, Sarah doing Le Jog, having recovered from uh, brain hemorrhage, surgery is you know um no matter how you look at it that is inspiring and some of your own um achievements but but what what would you say to um to somebody who who's looking to achieve a goal um but isn't quite at that stage because not a lot of us are no i mean um adventure is just about being out of your comfort zone it doesn't have to be these crazy wild things that we keep seeing everywhere um it's just about you know stepping out your front door and trying something different it's about going for a walk through some woods can become an adventure for somebody um you know i don't i don't think we should ever put labels on it so to speak because it's just a very personal experience and i think people get kind of pressured and put off of doing things because of they look at the the Red Bull athletes. They look at, I mean, Instagram is awash with amazing things. I know sometimes I put a photo up, I have skis on my back and I'm just about to ski off of a 4,000 meter mountain. And that can sometimes prevent people from actually wanting to get out. They feel they can never be that person. But it's just about taking that first step, doing something that takes you out of your personal comfort zone. And then you're on the way. And just don't look uh, at what everybody else is doing. Become really selfish with it. You know, take a look at if you're someone that's inspired, but you're on the sofa. Well, think just going out for a 1K walk. There you go. You know, you're, you're on your way. You've started your journey. And that's really, really important. Just to mm. try and scrub out these images of... <sighs> people think is impossible to achieve and just bring it all back to yourself look at where you are and take that first step 
Yeah, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, we're trying to push that message out. So thank you for, for joining us in, in uh, uh, echoing do, that. You do an absolutely awesome job. You really do. And, you, and it is oh, a, thanks, it's kind of like you, you've got a battle against you because I say that the media world is only interested or only happy about putting out these crazy wild things and not actually yeah. bringing it back to, should we say, the real people that have a nine-to-five job, that have a family, and they're kind of like, well, how on earth can I achieve that? And you guys are kind of giving them the stepping stones to do it. Yeah, well, I hope so. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, hopefully it will develop and continue uh, with uh, people like yourselves in the, you know, in the wings helping out, and um, we can continue to grow that. Yeah. Uh, you do actually have a, a lady in your hometown who you may well know as Wendy Searle, who was the lady I coached to the South Pole. She's the seventh lady to solo and support um, to get to the South Pole. And she actually beat a handful of professional athletes, some sponsored by certain brands. Um, and she's a mum <laughs> of four with a full-time job. So if you kind of want some inspiration of like, you know, how could I ever achieve something? You know, she's she's lives in Salisbury. Um, yeah, maybe I'll set you up and you can do have a chat with her. That would be amazing. Fantastic. And yeah, just proving the point that it's not just, um, you know, the full time adventurers that that can do this. Uh, we've all got a shot. So at this point, I kind of lost my train of thought, which is nothing unusual. Uh, but actually, what I wanted to do was ask John how important he felt mindset was uh, in overcoming adversity, uh, both on adventures and in endurance, uh, basically anything with type two fun involvement. Uh, and this is the reply he came back with. So as, as you know, I was at Sandhurst last weekend, and that was doing... Uh, a selection process for the Heroes of Telemark. So I'm sure some of your, your military listeners will know what that is. But for those that don't, it was the World War II Norwegian commandos that were dropped back into Norway to try and stop Hitler's atomic bomb process. And it's now used by, I think, the Royal Marine Commandos, Special mm -hmm. Forces. They use it as a training route. And we had these ladies that aiming to be the first female team to complete it. And the mm -hmm. whole resonating thing of it is you can be the best athlete. It doesn't matter. It's what's going on in your mind that's going to make you or break you. And if you believe in it, you'll achieve it. It really is that simple. You just have to believe that you can go and do it. So, yeah, mentality, mindset, positivity. I know we, we hear it a lot. and It's not always the easiest thing to come about, but... If you can have it and use it, then you can succeed. Absolutely right. Although, don't put yourself out of a job here, John, because we'll, you might need some coaching along the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When it comes to the training side of it, and getting it right, if you've got a good mindset, come and see me and I'll do the rest. <laughs> Happy days. Uh, so, uh, what? I mean, what's next, John? What have you got lined up? Anything? Um, anything you can tell us about? Um, for me personally, there's a, a big trip that's been undergoing probably for maybe coming up a year now. It's not until 2023. It's a new route across Greenland on skis. Um, 
And it's a new route purely because we've taken a glaciologist with us, a great guy, and he's going to be stopping at several core holes that they have in Greenland to take readings. And no one's gone the route to take in these particular core holes. Um, so that's going to be August 2023, I think it is, is the plan for that. Um, mm -hmm. But with uh, like expeditions of that size, where it could be six weeks, on the ice it, it takes a lot of planning uh, there's a lot of moving parts the team spread from australia america the uk norway and germany so we're all all over the place and as as you know with obviously all the travel restrictions and everything that's been going on it makes it a little bit more difficult mm -hmm. my my role within the team so we went through a selection process for that and i'm obviously the trainer so my job is to get everybody up to speed physically and mentally to be able to do the expedition and everybody kind of has a role within that that team um but that's 2023 i have some things working with other athletes that i can't divulge too much about but there's a really mm -hmm. one next summer working with a lady called naomi Freirich, who is an awesome athlete 24-hour mountain bike champion and european champion who's getting into adventuring and she's going for some world record setting stuff, which I'm going to go and support on, which would be great fun. Um, but other than that, I had, I did have a, the length of France kayak trip planned and I have everything. And I thank you to all my sponsors and everyone that was behind me for that. It was a COVID born idea because obviously I was living in France, couldn't mm -hmm. Oh, I thought I mapped out the whole route to paddle the inland waterways of France, which is 1,235 kilometers. Um, but every time I got close to doing it in France, they'd shut the departments. So <laughs> you, you couldn't actually say get to the start. Or if you had started, you then actually couldn't go into another part of France because of the restrictions. And then all of that planning is literally it's sat in a box just waiting to go um so yeah that's something I, and now it's kind of in my mind i really really want to do it because <laughs> so much time organizing it got the yeah. kit and obviously had great sponsors and friends behind me that supported me and unfortunately due to the restrictions wasn't able to do it but that that will happen at some point Oh, fingers crossed and, and uh hopefully we get to see you puddling down the same at some point <laughs> Yeah, I think it, I think it'll be quite interesting because it it's not going to be that remote because I mean okay yeah France it, it's quite big and quite you know open in places but as a whole you're never really that far from any sort of like population no. so it's not kind of crazy wild I think it's more I'd say a physical challenge than it is dealing with shall we say the wild yeah okay. Well, it definitely sounds interesting. Uh, so a lot of people now, or I say a lot of people, anyone who's listening may well be thinking now, um, how do I get involved with uh, getting some coaching? So w where do we find you? Where's the easiest place to start? Uh, E3coach.com. So that's the letter E, number three, coach.com online. And you just go straight to the website and there's... Um, contact forms on there there's details on my services people i work with all of the usual things that you, you know you would find on a website plus the instagrams etc details so you can take a look and a nose around there 
Mm-hmm. And you've just started a, a new part to that, the media side. <laughs> is that is that or is that just a personal flutter? Is it? No, well, this is something that it really interests me. So I've been I've been very very lucky with I think with my work. But going to I, I think luck comes if you've put the hard work in. I think mm-hmm. that luck comes your way. I don't think luck jumps out at you if you've just sat on the sofa your whole life. Um, so I've been very fortunate in places I've managed to get myself to, and I spent time working with an amazing professional French photographer. My role was to get him fit and maintain his fitness for what he has to do, which is quite a demanding job, especially mountain-based. Um, and all the time, he's obviously he's giving me tips and advice. You you can't help but take on that information. And yeah. during my time working with him, his name is Alex Boyce. If anyone wants to follow him, you go follow him on Instagram. He's, he's an amazing adventure photographer. Um, and it just started to like think, do you know what? That's, you, know, you start to then use it for your own Instagram. You're trying to get better photos and you're trying to improve, mm-hmm. improve on those. And then I just thought, do you know what? I'd really like to branch out and maybe you know, not step away from what I do, but add that to what I do. But I had a real harsh lesson at, at Sandhurst because potentially I'm going to be documenting um, this trip to Norway. And I just couldn't do it as within the coaching. So when you're selecting people and you're trying to write down and trying to profile people and trying to mm-hmm. encourage people, you can't pick up a camera. <laughs> it just doesn't work. <laughs> so that kind of right, that kind of scuppered that for me. Um, so I've got to have a rethink. I've got to really sort of separate the two out mm-hmm. because I can't connect it. If I'm coaching, I'm coaching. If I'm going to be trying to take photos or film, I've got to be doing that. And in some ways that motivates me. So I've signed on for some courses and doing some different bits and pieces. And yeah, it does interest me. Um, but as to how far it will go, I don't know yet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that. And uh, you've got a separate account on Instagram for that. Mm. Um, check it out. See what you think, people. Um, I, I'm really loving your your, uh, your photos of uh, of Devon, with yeah. it being a, a, an area of the world that I really like and I'm missing. Uh, <laughs> you're keeping that alive for me. Thank you very much. No um, so, John, I, I always like to throw in uh, a little... Um, little question that might catch you off guard here. Okay. Okay. So picture the scene. Well, here's the question. Yeah. Have you ever eaten a seagull? If so, what did it taste like? And if you haven't, what do you think it would taste like? Um, I'm going to go with that standard reply of I suspect it would probably be very chicken, chicken stroke pigeon based. Um, being obviously a bird avian um but no i never have they're surprisingly bigger than i think a lot of people think they are (laughs) i think catching the damn thing would be interesting um yeah some chips on a bit of string i think yeah well that's true i'll stand there with an ice cream and it'll just come down (laughs) Uh, and especially being down here at the moment that we have them on the rooftops daily and they, they they're quite vocal they will talk to each other. you can tell that they're communicating um uh-huh. but no i have not eaten one and yeah 
taste-wise, I would go along the lines of chicken. Would you eat one? Um, well, it would depend on the situation, I guess. If it was a case of... As you All right, know, so Mar Marco Pierre White says to you, John, uh, I want you to try my new dish. It's uh, pigeon in a creamy sauce. <laughs> Um, seagull in a creamy sauce. What do you reckon? I'd probably say no. Um, yeah, I don't kind of go for that thing. Uh, if it was life and death situation, and you know, I've got two huskies, and if anyone's seen the film Eight Below, those very clever dogs down in Antarctica did survive by catching seagulls. Um, yeah, if anyone hasn't seen that film, because they they are an incredible breed. Uh, very resilient and obviously can deal with the cold but when they are left on their own for six months in Antarctica they had to get very resourceful so yeah. maybe I could ask the dogs they're both fast asleep I should ask them whether... guys hello anyone had yeah. seagull no they're asleep no no <laughs> my dog's only interested in squirrels and she can't catch them oh god <laughs> they just go berserk for squirrels it's just ridiculous. and they've got oh, no the squirrels know they've got no hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, it's been fantastic having a having a catch up with you, um, and um, thank you for uh, sharing your insights with us into the world of endurance sports and adventure. Um, so, uh, please uh, let's stay in touch, and um, we'll do. I hope look to speak to you again soon. Grabbing a, a coffee or a healthy low sugar beverage with you. <laughs> So, <laughs> sometime soon I, yeah I will be back and forth uh, around your area so I will keep giving you a shout every time I'm down ah, but, fantastic uh, thank you guys for, for the interview and like I say uh, I love following everything you're doing and I love the community that you're building and anything that helps encourage people get out there and enjoy the outdoors and you know have a little bit of fun is always good mega thanks again John I'll speak to you soon cheers Grant. take care so there we have it folks a uh, great interview with uh, john fern a real star and uh, a great fan and friend of mud island adventures uh, hope to be speaking to him again soon in the future uh, in the meantime why don't you join the group uh, mud island adventures on facebook and at mud island adventures on instagram uh, and uh, please if you're enjoying the podcast Go ahead and give, leave a little review. Give us some, uh, give us five stars, so that we can get the name out there, and we can help more people to find their adventures in the UK. Uh, in the meantime, we've got the Strava Club up and running, so uh, join us on that as well, uh, and we can all check out what other people are doing. Uh, possibly share routes now that Strava has that function uh, available to it, um, because at the end of the day, it's all about community and helping each other out. So until next time. Uh, this is Garrick saying goodbye and hope you can get out there. And remember, the adventure is yours.